you have found the podcast of Tressler Mennonite Church. Each week, we replay the sermon from our Sunday morning service so that anyone who may have missed the sermon can catch it later. We want to especially thank those of you who missed the sermon because you were working with our youngest children during the service time. This sermon was from June 26, 2022. The text was 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. I was trying to think how to sort of introduce what I think Paul is doing here, and I I finally decided that maybe a picture would be if you imagine the owner of a company who has just hired a new employee. Maybe the employee is going to be in charge of maintaining and servicing certain equipment at the company. So that employee's very first day, he shows up, and the owner greets him and shakes his hand and welcomes him and says, I'm going I'm to take you around, and you're going to meet some people. We're going to have a whole bunch of paperwork, of course, and then I'm going to show you the equipment that you have to take care of. But before we do that, there's something you really need to know if you're going to be able to do your job well here. And I don't know exactly what that boss would say. It might depend on which kind of company it is. I don't ever have any employees. So. But I think that's kind of what Paul is doing. He is writing a letter to Timothy. He is going to give him a lot of instructions, some ideas, some, some guidance about how to be a, a, a pastor well at that church in Ephesus. And it almost feels to me like Paul is, is getting ready to do that. And then he says, but, Timothy, there's something you need to know before I go on. And that's, that's what I feel is at least some of what verses 12 to 17 are in Paul's mind. He pauses for a moment and says, this is something you really need to know if you're going to be a good pastor. Now, of course, most of us in this room are not pastors, but I think the idea holds regardless of what position God has put you in and regardless of how you are serving within the congregation. So I want to look at these six verses in a little more detail and then think about how they might be applicable for us here at Trussler this morning. So verses 12 to 14, Paul writes, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. In my insolence, I persecuted his people, but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. So I thought I want to quick summarize Paul's um, life story up to this point. I mean, very, very fast. You might know it, but just to sort of put us all in the same place, Paul had grown up Jewish. He had been a Pharisee. That means he had been very strict and sincere about trying to live as God wanted a proper Jew to live. We get the impression that Paul was devout, he was very zealous, he had trained under very reputable teachers, but, but we almost get the impression that maybe Paul had never quite actually met God, or, or at, least, at least Paul definitely did not acknowledge Jesus, and Paul was actually opposed to the work of Jesus. When people began to follow Jesus and to worship Jesus, Paul began to fight against this, and there's... There's a uh, story in Acts about a time when Paul was part of a group of people who actually executed somebody who was a follower of Jesus. So, so Paul had gone essentially the complete opposite direction of what God would have wanted for him. 
Instead of honoring and following Jesus, Paul had rejected Jesus. And instead of helping and caring for Jesus' followers, Paul was persecuting them and harming them. And yet, despite all this, God chose Paul to be a messenger to people who had not yet heard about Jesus. And in Acts chapter 9, we read the story of the time when Paul was traveling. He was on the road, and Jesus appeared to him in a vision. Paul was suddenly forced to acknowledge that the one that he had opposed, rejected, whose followers he had persecuted was actually the risen Messiah and the one who deserved all praise and honor and glory. So God reached out to Paul. God gave Paul a chance to turn in a new direction, and Paul did this despite of the way that he had first rejected Jesus and done evil to Jesus' followers. And yet it's, it's actually a little bit more than that. God didn't just reach out to Paul. Well, God, as I said, gave him a special assignment to carry the good news to the Gentiles, to people who had never yet heard. So this man who had worked passionately to fight against Jesus now became an amazing leader within the church and was working on Jesus' behalf. So that's, that's some of what Paul is saying. Paul goes on, and in verse 15, he he begins to sort of give us a little bit of a picture of maybe why God had decided to work this way. So Paul starts out by saying, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. So that's a, that's a pretty um, important fundamental idea to what Paul is talking about here. And so on, in this way, we can kind of see that Jesus would reach out to Paul. If Jesus came to save sinners, he would be interested in saving Paul. But Paul adds something here. He says, and I am the worst of them all. And Paul marvels at this. And I, and I, I thought of a metaphor that, that at least helped me kind of think about it, put it in a perspective, and it, it, might, it might help you. So a man decides to open a drug rehab facility, and it kind of makes sense that he's going to reach out to try to help drug addicts and, and bring drug addicts in. That's kind of the purpose of what he's doing. But but in this situation, God did more than just sort of fulfill the purpose. He, in using that metaphor, it's like God went out, or the, I should say the director of the facility went out and found the worst addict of them all, the one who was most under the bondage of these drugs, and said, I want you to be the next director of this facility. So what Paul is saying is that Jesus came into the world to save sinners, yes, but then he sought out the worst of them all and gave him a special assignment. So why, why would God do this? Paul goes on, but God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. And then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. All glory and honor to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. So actually, I think part of the reason I used that example of the drug rehab center is it helped me think about it, but, but it also might, it might make sense of what Paul thinks God is doing, that if, if, if an addict shows up at this facility and he knows that the director of the place, who's now healthy and well and doing, doing a good job, was actually just like him, it's going to give hope and it's going to give uh, confidence that there is an opportunity out of this. So, so anybody that Paul meets out there in life, that person can look at Paul and say, that 
that God saved him, he can save me. And actually the other way around too, Paul can meet anybody and look at them no matter how bad they might be, how antagonistic to God that person is, and Paul can know that person can be saved because God saved me. And so so what, what might this mean for us here at Tressler this morning? As I was thinking about this and pondering, I guess the first question that I asked myself was why in the world did Paul actually Take the time to write this to Timothy. I wanted to stop and think about that for a minute because, see, see, Timothy had traveled with Paul for quite a while. Back when Timothy was a young man, uh, Paul had come to his town and he had left to travel with Paul. We can see that sometimes they were apart, but often they were together for years and years. So Paul, uh, Paul would have shared his testimony dozens, hundreds, who knows how many times, and Timothy would have listened and heard. This was all information that Timothy knew inside and out. So why did Paul take time to remind Timothy one more time of something Timothy already had heard a hundred times? And this is a, maybe a bit of a guess, but this is my idea. See, Timothy was different than Paul. Timothy, as far as we can tell from what Scripture tells us, Timothy became a follower of Jesus in his teenage years. And in his early 20s was when he started following Paul closely and learning from Paul as his mentor. And he traveled with Paul for quite a number of years, maybe 10 years or so, by the time he was eventually receiving this letter. So I thought, you know, Timothy is kind of, in our, in our modern time, kind of like the man who, who grew up in church. He headed off to Bible college after graduating from his own Christian private school that he went to. He served as an assistant pastor for a while after Bible college, and now he's finally called to serve as a lead pastor in a large congregation in a sizable city. So that's, that's kind of who Timothy is, and it's really wonderful to have that life experience, to grow up in that kind of environment, but, but every once in a while, or maybe more than that, it brings a problem. You see, the people, the people out there, the people who are hurting and broken, the people who are rebellious, antagonistic against God, sometimes they seem, to people who have lived their whole lives in the church, they can seem to be totally, completely different. And sometimes people who live their whole lives in the church start to see those people as enemies. And Paul wants to say to Timothy right at the start of this letter, before he gets into more of the application and the instruction, he wants to say, hey, Timothy, every time you meet somebody who seems really messed up, who seems really antagonistic against God, this person who rejects Jesus, this person who really, really is living in completely the wrong way, well, Timothy, remember, that was me. And Jesus rescued me, and Jesus transformed me, And then he called me to a special role to be God's messenger to the Gentiles. So those people out there, Timothy, I feel like Paul is saying, those people out there are never your enemies, no matter how bad they are. In fact, God might be calling them to be the next leaders within the church. And so when I began to think about that, I thought, okay, maybe there's two things God might be wanting us to think about here at Tressler this morning. And and depending who you are, one might be more relevant to you or not. So the first is whether you might be somebody more like Paul, somebody who has lived a life in rebellion against God. And maybe you wonder whether God could ever possibly accept you. Would God ever love you? And 
And I'm pretty sure that in this passage, through the words of Paul, God is trying to say, yes, I will accept you. And yes, I love you. And not only will God accept you, but he will invite you into his family. And then he may very well call you to be a pastor or a missionary or a church planter. And I know that might sound really intimidating and make you run out of the room fast. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, there's not two standards within God's family. When he invites somebody who had formerly formerly rejected him, and then they come in and accept it, they don't have a second status, a lower status than those who had accepted Jesus early. So God calls all people to serve him in some capacity according to their gifts and their abilities and their callings. So if you are... Paul, somebody like Paul who has been rejecting Jesus, no matter how bad you think you might be, no matter how bad you feel, I think Paul would say, I was worse and God accepted and rescued me. He will accept and rescue you. And I thought about that and I thought, you know, sometimes in the church, at least as I was growing up, as I was learning to know who Paul was, I I don't feel like the church did a particularly good job at trying to capture the idea that Paul was actually a bad person. So when I was, would read Paul's words, I was the worst of sinner of all, I was like, eh, I don't know about that. But, you see, we, we talk about Paul mostly after he met Jesus, when he was a preacher and a teacher and an evangelist, and he was writing what eventually became scripture. And even when we talk about Paul back when his name was Saul, Back before he became a follower of Jesus, we kind of said, well, he was a really good Jew, and he was just a little bit off base, but Paul doesn't look at it this way at all. Paul knows that he was religiously zealous for the wrong things, and in that process, he rejected Jesus and worked against Jesus. I thought, you know, maybe a better picture that we could think about in the church to try to communicate is is when you maybe have read an article or watched something on TV about a Islamic fundamentalist who is advocates, you know, persecuting Christians, killing Christians, getting them out of the country, this kind of religious zeal that results in complete antagonism to following Jesus. That's a closer picture of who Paul was. But God rescued Paul, God transformed Paul, and Paul led him. And Paul became the Apostle Paul, who wrote our scriptures and who teaches us today through his written word. So God still loved Paul, and God saved Paul. So that's the first thing. Maybe you're more like Paul, and you're wondering, will God accept you? Yes. Second thing is perhaps, perhaps you're more like Timothy. And I know I don't, I don't know every one of you in this room, but I know a lot of you, at least a little bit, and I think there are more Timothys than Paul this morning. So maybe this is where more of you will, will feel a connection. A lot of you accepted Jesus fairly young. You grew up in Christian families. You went to church as you were young. A lot of you went to Christian schools, graduated from Christian high schools. I graduated from Lancaster Mennonite High School. Some of you went to Bible college later in life. And that's all wonderful. It's a great blessing. But sometimes, sometimes the result is we begin to to see the world in a, in a different way than God does. And we begin to look at the people out there, and we begin to see them as enemies of Jesus. And 
I think God wants us to remember through this passage that when we look out there and we see people who are broken, who are hurting, that those are the Pauls of the world. Those are people that God wants to transform, to pull into his family, and they may be the next pastors, the next missionaries, and church planners within the body of Christ. And I know this in my head, and I'm sure you do as well, if you actually, like, you know, I mean, Timothy, like I said, heard Paul's sermons and his testimonies hundreds of times. We know this in our heads, but I always find, do I actually believe this in my heart? In Luke 6, 45, Jesus says that what, what we say flows out of our hearts. Our words can reveal what's in our hearts in a way that we might not, we might not be aware of in fullness. And I got to thinking, what do I say in an unguarded moment about the people out there, about those people who are passionate advocates for LGBTQ issues or, or those who are demanding abortion access? Or what about those people who are Christian nationalists or white nationalists or, or the Putins of the world? I can't stand the guy. But what, what does... What do my words say is really in my heart? Do I actually believe that God loves these people? Do I really believe that God wants them to be the next pastors and missionaries and apostles? If I listen to my words, if I listen to your words, do I see that our hearts are filled with love for these kind of people or not? And then I reflected on my own life and I thought, you know, there's another aspect of this that I think God has been sort of working in me over the last little while now. And I've been thinking, you know, if, if I really believe that God wants to reach these people out there, the people who are not in the church, but the people like Paul was, then won't that show in the choices that I make? And I, I thought, okay, as an illustration, this is what God was sort of putting on my heart. He said, if God had asked me to be a firefighter and to rescue people from burning houses, then it would make sense that I would have to go to burning houses and walk inside to rescue those people. If God had asked me to be a lifeguard on the beach to rescue people who were drowning in the ocean, then I'd actually have to go to the beach, I'd have to jump into the ocean, and I'd have to rescue these people. But God has asked me, I think he's asked all of us, from the way scripture's written, to be his ambassador, to represent Jesus to people who don't know Jesus yet. And so if that's my job, if that's my assignment, then I have to be with people who don't know Jesus, and not just superficially, but actually have real, honest, genuine relationships with people who are currently rejecting God. And I've been convicted that my life has actually grown kind of the opposite of that. When Irene was born, I stayed home to care for her, and then later, Ruth. It's a decision I have greatly loved. It's wonderful. I highly recommend it for everybody. But, but it did kind of narrow the network of people that I interacted with. So I started growing some strawberries, eventually blueberries, lima beans, partly to try to make money. That never worked but also partly to try to have connections with people. And that did work a little bit. I soon had a, a small network of people who would stop by, who would talk, who would buy stuff. And these are people that I would never have met otherwise. Some very interesting stories and conversations. And, and yet, God has been speaking to me a bit 
and I'm still not figuring this all out yet, but over the last 10 years or so, the customer base has almost completely changed. And pretty much everybody who buys strawberries is somehow connected to the Mennonite community now. And I don't know why it changed, but I was, if part of the reason I do this is to meet people who don't know Jesus, it's not working so well anymore. When Irene started kindergarten, we chose to send our children to Woodbridge for multiple reasons, but partly because I wanted to meet people I wouldn't meet otherwise. I wanted them to meet people that they wouldn't meet otherwise, who don't know Jesus, who are in the bigger world out there, or even who go to other churches. And to a certain extent, this has worked. I've formed quite a few relationships, but God has been sort of impressing upon me. They're almost all superficial names and faces. Since 2016, I've put in a lot more time here at church, and I have loved almost all of it, with the exception of a few meetings perhaps here and there. I've really enjoyed these opportunities to study, to teach. I don't know whether you like the on the receiving end, but I've enjoyed it. But almost all of my time is spent with people who are followers of Jesus. And so I, I've been feeling like if God has assigned me to be a firefighter, I'm like the firefighter who stays in the firehouse and eats lunch. Or if God has assigned me to be a lifeguard, I'm the lifeguard who sits in the clubhouse and eats sandwiches. Like, I'm not accomplishing the assignment. So I'm not sure quite what this means or, or where God is trying to lead, but, but I guess I'm, I'm asking you, um, if you really believe that God wants to reach people for Jesus who don't currently know him, are your relationships filled with people who don't know Jesus? Not just superficially, but real meaningful relationships with people who don't know Jesus. Some of you do this well, and I'm very grateful for that because I do not, at least at present, do this well. And so for those of you who do it well, we need to learn from you. I think there are others of us here who also struggle, who also have difficulty, we need to learn, we need to develop these relationships, we need to be the people that God wants us to be. So we're going to continue to go through 1 Timothy, we're going to get into a lot of really interesting stuff. Paul, Paul talks about some, some, all sorts of stuff as he keeps going here, as he gives Timothy some advice and some instruction. And as we do that, though, I want us to remember that whoever we meet, wherever we go, well, we'll say it this way. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. So those are the people that we need to be meeting, we need to be interacting with, and whoever we meet, whatever we see, however antagonistic to the gospel they appear to be, Paul says he was worse, and God transformed him, and God made him into a new person and called him to be a pastor, a missionary, an evangelist, a church planter, and he may continue to do that with the people that we meet as well. You have been listening to the Trestler Mennonite Sermon from June 26, 2022. The passage was 1 Timothy 1, 12-17. Take care.